I'm just going to have a little disclaimer here. I have no idea who this is about, and I'm not going to mention any names, all right? And I think you'll know why in just a second, okay? Once there was this guy, and he had this, uh, he had this ever-nagging wife, okay? And, and they went on vacation to Jerusalem, and, uh, but while they were there, the wife passed away, okay? And so the undertaker, he told the husband, he says, well, you, you can have her shipped home for $5,000, or you can bury her here in the Holy Land for 150 bucks. So the man, he thought about it for a moment. He told the undertaker, he said, well, you know what? I, I think I'll just go ahead and have her shipped home. So the undertaker, he said, well, why would you spend $5,000 to ship your wife home? Wouldn't it be wonderful for her to be buried here and it would only cost you 150 bucks? And the guy replied, he said, well, you see, a long time ago, uh, Jesus was here and he was buried here. And three days later, he rose again from the grave. I just can't take that chance. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Can I get a ride home today? That's right. But uh, how many guys would say that relationship probably wasn't the best? You know what I'm saying there? Okay, that's right. Uh, but uh, apparently, maybe there's a point in there. Maybe, you know, some things in life do require a certain amount of risk, don't they? Right? You've got to make decisions, right? But that's right, folks. Believe it or not, did you know people all over the world are making the same kind of risky decisions, uh, even worse than that one, okay? You see, the Bible says Jesus Christ, yes, he did, really did rise from the dead. But the Bible's very clear. One day he's coming back, and he's going to judge the living and the dead, and you better get ready. And the reason why it's going to be such a risky time for people is because for those who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they are going to be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation, and that is not a joke. It is an outpouring of God's wrath on a wicked and rebellious planet. Jesus said it's the worst time in mankind's history, and that unless God was merciful and shortened that time frame, the entire human race would be wiped out, okay? But as we've been seeing, praise God, God's not just a God of wrath, which is, again, not bad. He's going to put an end to all the evil and suffering in this world. Nobody gets away with nothing. Okay, that's a good thing. But praise God, he's a God of love as well. And because he loves us, he's given us so many warning signs as we've been seeing to give us a heads up when we know it's close. We don't know the exact day nor the hour, but he gives us so many signs to know as a church, hello, it's getting close and you need to get ready. Therefore, in order to keep you and I from experiencing that ultimate bad day, man, of being left behind, okay, even worse than, well, I'm just not even gonna say it. Uh, we're gonna continue our study, that's right, called The Final Countdown. All right, let's see how you guys do with some audience participation today, if I can even say that word. Uh, uh, let's, uh, let's try that. The number 10 sign was? Jewish, Jewish people. The number nine? Modern technology. Read John's lips. Uh, number eight was? Worldwide upheaval. Number seven? Rise of falsehood. Number six? Rise of wickedness. Number five? And that's right, the last four times, John? One more religion. We got the one world religion road today. That's right. And you are so right. And what we've been seeing is that God lovingly foretold you and I that when we see all the religions on the planet coming together as one, and that's happening right now, okay, on the planet, thanks to the lies of interfaithism, another lie called ecumenicalism, and last time, the rise of a global persecution of God's people. And what we saw is the Bible clearly foretells many different passages, we're going to deal with another one today, obviously, that the Bible says there's actually going to come a time when the whole world, not just a section, but the whole world is actually going to hate you, listen, even want to kill you just for being a follower of God. As we saw last week, that is not just happening, it's happening right now, and that's being done with the lies of propaganda, we'll see more of that today, and the examples of the persecution around the world that's already begun. And so the point I think we need to understand, folks, is this, hello, as Christians, we better get united, we better get motivated, and we better stop beating each other up and working together, okay, because we need each other, man. So again, turn to somebody and say, I need you, man, okay? I'm telling you, it's coming, folks, we gotta work together, but that's still not all. The third way we know we are headed for this global persecution of Christians specifically is, folks, the plan's already here, 
Okay, this isn't willy-nilly. This is just arbitrarily happening. The people behind the scenes have already planned this thing out, okay? But again, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 6. God tells us what their plan is ultimately going to lead to, and it's not a good one, okay? Open your Bibles, Revelation chapter 6, okay? Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. Let's take a look there at the context. Now, the context, man, this is awesome. Revelation 6, this is where the seven-year tribulation begins, okay? As you saw there, begins with the first uh, seal, and that's with the white horse rider. The Antichrist comes riding in on his false utopia, false peace. He's the savior of the world. You know, the one world religion baloney, okay? And if you just follow him, we'll finally get rid of those nasty Christians, and, and, and there'll be peace to the planet. Well, that's the uh, illusion, because the second uh, rider there in the context is the red horse rider. War breaks out. Bang! Okay, and then you're going to see that one-fourth of the earth is annihilated uh, during that. Later in the tribulation, we see another third is taken out as well. Horrible, horrible time. Then you see, what, if you continue to read in the context there, Revelation uh, 6, you see the black horse rider. You see famine busting across the planet, and that's going to be pretty ugly. And then you see the pale horse rider, and it's just a really macabre scene in the Greek that's going on there. As fast as people are dying, the grave is just scooping them up. It's a horrible, horrible time. But that's not all. Then it talks about the fifth seal. After all that. Here's what's been going on during this time, specifically to God's people. In verse 9, it says, Now when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been what? Slain. Now why were they slain? Specifically because of the word of God and their testimony, guess who about? Jesus, that they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. Wow, that's pretty intense. Now, folks, you take a look at the text there once again, just like with uh, last week, if you were here, sure seems to me like uh, those people who follow God during the seven-year tribulation, uh, it's not going to be pleasant circumstances, right? You know, there's some key words there, in case you didn't pick up on it, I think are uh, key to that. Uh, being slain, uh, killed, asking God to avenge your blood. That doesn't sound like a good time. Anybody concur? Okay, that's pretty obvious in the text that we see there, okay? And again, we saw contextually these people are those who are being slain, who are asking God to avenge their blood, are the people who unfortunately get saved after the rapture. And again, the lesson is this, you should have gotten saved now you should have gotten saved before the rapture but now you're going to pay with it with a price and that price clearly is your life okay they're actually the context says again this is just one of many passages during the seven year tribulation they're actually going to hunt you down they're actually going to exterminate you just for being a follower of god okay now that's during the seven year tribulation the point for you and i here today is this is there any signs right now are we leading up to this do we see any birth pains, if you will, of the whole world wanting to hunt down and exterminate people, what the context say? Just for believing in God's word, the Bible, and maintaining their testimony about Jesus. Yeah. If you were here last week, we saw it's already begun. And I'm telling you, the plan to pull it off is already in place. It's been there for years, and I want to expose that plan uh, today. The first phase of that plan to make you and I Christians, okay, to start getting rid of us, is they're first of all making us out to be the big troublemakers. Okay, last week if you were here, we saw learn a lesson from Hitler with propaganda. This week you need to learn a lesson from the early church and early church persecution from a guy named Nero. Okay, once again, put yourself in the Antichrist shoes. If you're going to get rid of the Christians, right, because that's really what it is. You're going to get rid of people, the Jewish remnant and the people who get saved out the rapture. If you're going to get rid of them and you're the Antichrist, then you need to have a good excuse for getting rid of them in the first place, right? 
you know, like historically with Nero. What did he do, if you're familiar with that? He blamed the Christians for the burning of Rome. He made them out to be the bad guys. And once the Christians became the bad guys in society, i.e. the big troublemakers, to blame for all Rome's problems, what did they systematically begin to do? They began to kill them, okay? And folks, I'm telling you, this is precisely what this one world religion movement is doing right now. They were already painting you and I, the evangelical, fundamental Christian, as the big troublemakers. We're the ones to blame. We have the audacity to actually put up a fight and resist going along with this one world religion. And they say we are the ones now messing up their plans to bring true peace and utopia to the planet, right? And here's how they've done it. They've boxed you and I into the corner to force us to give up our testimony, to force us to say, uh-uh, world, I'm standing on the word of God. That's exactly what the text said would happen, okay? They're boxing us into a corner to force us to give up our testimony, to stand on the word of God by getting us to say, I, I, no, you're wrong. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. The Bible is God's word. That's the only word that we should listen to. And here's how they're getting us to be in that corner to voice our testimony. They have repeated the lies we've seen before many times. They come on. Don't you guys know they're using the media? They're using the educational system. They're using everything in our world to pull out the stops, to brainwash people. If you repeat a lie loud enough, long enough, and often enough, people will believe it. And this is that lie. Come on. Why do you have to resist, Christian? I mean, Jesus, yeah, he might have been a great teacher, but he's just one of the many great teachers out there, right? I mean, you guys heard that lie. And then they'll say, well, come on. Why do you have to be so dogmatic, Christian? What are you, an extremist or something? Why do you have to say that the Bible is the only word of God? Don't you know it's just one of the many books of truth out there that we can glean truth from, right? Okay, and because of that, it's forced us to give our testimony. And our testimony is no, okay? And the first way, the biblical testimony that we know we cannot go along with the one world religion is because Jesus Christ is God, He's radically different than the rest of the religions on the planet. Let's take a look at just one text that clearly deals with that. John chapter 20, verses 26 through 28 says this. A week later, his disciples, Jesus' disciples, were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Don't you ever wonder if they actually were at peace? Because he just popped on the scene. Hi. Be kind of scary. But he said, Peace be with you. Now listen to the response. Then Thomas said, or Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here, uh, see my hands, reach out in, uh, your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting Thomas and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my what? My God. Folks, I think it's pretty obvious and that's just one of many, many texts, okay, uh, where it, the Bible clearly says that Jesus, Thomas even makes the statement there. How do you get around this? He wasn't just Lord. He wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just a really neat guy. He's God, right? Says it right there. And so here's the point for you and I today in the context of this lie, this one world religion. Is Buddha God? No, is Confucius God? How about Muhammad? I don't think so. Then how in the world can anybody say that they're the same as Jesus? The biblical testimony, our testimony, is Jesus Christ is God. That makes him radically different, totally different than those other three guys. So how can you go along with the one world religion? We're, we're forced to give up our testimony and stand on God's word, but that's not all. The second biblical testimony about Jesus, why we cannot go along with the one world religion, and they're forcing this to come out of us, okay, publicly, is that Jesus Christ is the creator. Hello, Colossians is very clear about this. Let's take a look at that text. Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 16 says this. He, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, Jesus, 
all things were created. That's pretty much everything, okay? In case you're wondering. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him, Jesus, and for him. And again, so here's the point. Here's the biblical testimony. This is speaking about Jesus. So here's the point. Put it in the context of a one world religion. Did Buddha create the world? How about Confucius? How about that guy Muhammad? Then how in the world can you say that they're all basically the same when Jesus Christ is radically different? He is totally different. He is unlike those other guys with all due respect, Mo, Larry, and Curly. And that's why you and I cannot go along with a one world religion. They're forcing us to give up our testament. Let me just give you one more. We could do all day on this, but let me give you one more. The th reason why, folks, we cannot go along with this one world religion. They're boxing us into a corner, getting us to do what the text said, is this. Hello, Jesus Christ is our forgiver. Okay, and this is just one passage. Okay, that, that clearly talks about the, how <laughs> you don't want to budge on this one, folks. And this is Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Okay, it's, this is the nuts and bolts. Okay, don't get this wrong. Okay, because you don't want to spend eternity in hell. It says this salvation is found in what? All those other guys, all paths lead to heaven? No, some of the Bible says, in no one else, speaking about Jesus. Why? Because there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It's only in the name of Jesus Christ, his work on the cross is how in the world we even get to heaven, right? And so once again, here's the point. Did Buddha forgive us of our sins? Did Confucius go to the cross? How about Muhammad? Absolutely not. Then how can you say they're all the same as Jesus when he's the only way to heaven? He's the only one who went to the cross. He's the only name under heaven by which we might be saved. How can you say it's logical? How can you say it's a good thing for me as a Christian to compromise that, especially that, and go along with this one more religion? You can't. Why? Because Buddhism can't save you. Islam can't save you. Mormonism can't save you. Catholicism can't save you. Humanism can't save you. Secular psychology can't save you. Spiritism can't save you. New Age can't save you. Listen, but Jesus Christ can and he will if you would just call upon his name. We cannot compromise on that. It's eternity on the line. It's not just a matter of opinion. Okay? And that's why one guy, I love his testimony. Remember the text says they, they refused to budge on their testimony about Jesus. They stood on God's word. Here's what he said. I love this. He said, Jesus Christ, oh, you know who he is? He is the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation, the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was, always is, always will be, unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. The world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain him, and the leaders cannot ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. The people couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. The New Age can't uh, replace him, and Donahue cannot explain him away. He is holy. He is righteous. He is mighty, powerful, and pure. His ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging, and his mind is on me. He's my redeemer, my savior, my guide, my peace. He's my joy, my comfort, my Lord. And he rules this life. He will never leave me, forsake me, mislead me, forget me. He'll never cancel my appointment in his appointment book. When I fall, he lifts me up. When I fail, he forgives. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I'm lost, he is the way. When I'm afraid, he's my courage. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face death, he carries me home. That's why I cannot and I will not ever, never, never go along with that one world religion. That's our testimony, just like the text said. We are standing on God's word. Now, here's what they do. They force us to do it, just basic Christianity, and they go like this. Instead of going, wow, that's great news. I think I'll get saved too. They'll do this. <laughs> we got gotcha. you. 
We got you now, Christian. You're the big troublemaker. We just heard it with our own ears. You confessed it with your own mouth. You gave us your testimony. You won't budge on that antiquated book and your antiquated interpretation of the Bible. You leave us no choice. You're standing in the way. You're ruining all of our plans for utopia. And now we must get rid of you. Do you see how we're being boxed into a corner to give up our testimony, to stand on God's word, exactly what the Bible said was going to happen during the seven-year tribulation, and that's why these people are going to be slaughtered. It's coming, folks. That's phase one of their plan. Phase two of their plan is you've got to get worse than that. You can't just paint you and I, if you're going to get rid of us, because that's the goal, exterminate. Not just as big troublemakers, we've got to become the terrorists. Ooh, that's dangerous, right? And that's exactly what they're doing. This is what we saw last week. If you're going to get rid of the resistors, okay, who would not go along with this one world religion, you not only have to paint them as troublemakers, but absolute dangerous terrorists, okay? And you specifically have to get, listen to this, you specifically have to get rid of any monotheistic religion. Mono meaning one, theos meaning God, okay, monotheistic religion, because by definition, a monotheistic religion means there is only one way, there is only one God, right? Which is what you and I believe, which is what the scripture teaches, okay? And, and, and the reason why they have to get rid of that is because the new age, the one world religion, is what's called pantheism. Pan meaning all, all paths lead to God. All truths are truths, all ways lead to salvation, right? So now you have oil and water, it doesn't mix, okay? Now, it just so happens there's three religions on the planet, major religions, that are monotheistic. Can anybody guess what those are? Us, Christianity, also Islam, and Judaism, okay? And now here's the point. Now you got a problem, is the one world religion. You're pantheistic, all is supposed to get you there, but now you got three of the major world religions that say, uh-uh, there's only one way. So what are you going to do? Well, listen, pay attention, folks. Okay, here's what it's a bait and switch thing. You, you take all the monotheistic religions, okay, and, and, and what you do is you start to label the true ones, the true followers of that monotheistic religion as the bad guys. And then you work about supplanting them with the fake guys, okay? Let me show you exactly uh, how they're doing that with some exciting graphics. I've very seriously thought about drawing this, but Ron, I knew better after Wednesday nights. So if you guys are there, I am definitely artistically challenged. And so let me, let me at least try to clean it up for you. Okay, let me explain how they're doing it right now. This is their plan to make you and I not just troublemakers, but the terrorists. They've started and they've been starting ever since 9-11, folks, with Islam. That's a monotheistic religion. They believe that there's only one way through Allah, which I disagree with. Okay, but uh, that's what they believe. Okay, so, but you see, okay. And what they've done is they split it right down the middle. Okay, and this is part of their plan. Okay, now they've taken the true Muslims, okay, and those are the ones who unfortunately follow the Quran and what it actually says, and that is to kill the infidel, which is you and I, the Christian, the Jews people. It actually says you do what it takes and you're actually doing, uh, that's how you're guaranteed uh, uh, that your paradise, okay, is if you are blow people up and stuff like that. That's really what, they, it, really what it teaches. Okay, and then they're saying, well, those guys are the bad ones. Those are the bad Muslims. Those are the terms right-wing fundamental extremists, right? Now, at the same time that they're labeling those guys, who are the true ones, again, I'm not condoning it, and I don't think it's a good thing, but that's what they believe, that's what their book teaches, okay? Now, they're saying those are the bad guys. Now, they're taking the fake ones. The media uses the term called moderate Muslims. Have you heard that? How many guys have heard the term that, oh, Muslim, true uh, Islam is, is a, a peace-loving religion? No, it's not, okay? But they take the fake ones, in Christianity, we call it liberal Christianity, which is fake Christians. We'll get to that in a second. So they're taking the fake Muslims, and they're saying, oh, these are the good guys. Why? Because these guys will go along with the one world religion. Okay? And so now what they're doing is, ever since 9-11, they're saying, we need to exterminate 
these bad Muslims, right? And then what they're doing is they're promoting these good Muslims. Well, why would they go through all that trouble? Because you have to understand it from a Bible prophecy point of view. We're all heading towards a one world religion, right? And so you have to have Islam because your premise is all religions are right. So Islam in name only will continue on during the seven year tribulation. But what they're doing is they're taking the true Muslims, exterminating them. They're taking the fake ones, elevating them. So you continue on. Do you see it? It's a bait and switch. Now here's where you and I better pay attention, folks. Uh, They're doing the same thing to you and I right now. And this is what we saw last week with the propaganda. What's the terms they're using to you and I? They split us right down the middle and they're taking you and I, the evangelical Christian, and what are they calling us? Right-wing extremist fundamentalists. Exact same terminology is being used on you and I today. And they're saying, we're the bad guys because we will not budge. We will not go along with this one world religion. And they're taking the fake Christian, the liberal Christian, who's Christian in name only, okay? It denies virtually every cardinal doctrine in the scripture, but they're saying these are the good guys because they'll go along with the one world religion. And they're doing the same thing to you and I right now, folks. They're calling for the extermination. What do you see next week, Lord willing? The extermination of these bad Christians, the extremist Christians. They are not representing true Christianity. And what they've been doing is promoting the fake ones. Well, why would you go through all that? Because again, you need to understand it from a Bible prophecy point of view. It's a one world religion. And so that means all religions continue on. But here you got three that'll never go along with it. So what do you do? It's a bait and switch. You create a half. And you, you, you get rid of the real ones, supplant them with fake ones, and it continues on. Do you see it? Now, interesting, what's interesting, if you know Bible prophecy, guess who's left on the list? Now, here's what's interesting. The Bible tells us what's going to happen to the Jewish people. Is it any wonder, after you get rid of Islam and Christianity, to go along with this one world religion, okay, that the Jewish people, wh- who are the major players in the seven-year tribulation? The Jewish people. It's not by chance, folks. It's all a plan, I'm telling you. And here's what they do. Now, first of all, we know the whole Jewish nation, unfortunately, they're not split up yet. They're going to strike an, a deal with the Antichrist. And that's a mission in Daniel 9.27. Okay, they're going to make a peace treaty with the Antichrist. Where is everybody wanting to make a peace treaty right now? Israel. One guy's going to pull it off. He's going to do it specifically for seven years. That guy is the Antichrist. And that's the very event that starts the seven-year tribulation. Okay, and then you're going to see that three and a half years into the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist shows his true colors, Paul talks about, and is going to go up into the temple, the rebuilt Jewish temple, and declare himself to be God. That's when the blindness is removed. Paul talks about in the book of Romans that the Jewish people are under is removed and then they get their split. And here's the split. Notice it's different. The Bible says it's not half and half. It's two thirds of the Jewish people on this side, one third on this side. The Bible says in the book of Zechariah that he's going to, the Antichrist is going to hunt them down and exterminate two thirds of the Jewish people. And then one third, Revelation chapter 12, is going to be protected by the archangel Michael because God is not done with him and he always wins. He always has a remnant. Okay? That is, I believe, the plan that has been foisted upon you and I. So now here's the point. Do you and I see any uh, of signs of this actual bait and switch going on? Where even you and I, the Christian, the evangelical Christian, the true Christian, might I add, as now being labeled as the bad guy, not just a troublemaker, but specifically a terrorist, just like these other monotheistic religions. Uh, Yeah, in fact, believe it or not, folks, if you've been paying attention, CNN is actually producing whole documentaries exposing how we are just as dangerous as the Islamic terrorists. They call us God's warriors. Let's take a look. The scripture is the blueprint to life and living. They are sure of their mission. Our role is to redeem the entire world. And the stakes are high. Do you really wish that you could have been martyred? Yes, martyrdom was my biggest wish. What they have in common 
Jews, Christians and Muslims is the belief that modern society has lost its way. They're raping virgin teenage America on the sidewalk and everybody's walking by and acting like everything's okay. The problem we have now with these civilizations is we don't offer the man where to go. He doesn't know his place in life. The people that don't keep the Torah, they don't understand the meaning of being Jews, they're wasting their life. They say God is the answer. I would like to see America become the nation under God again. But their battle to save the world has caused anger, division and fear. I believe that Islam is a real threat. Something's gone wrong. We've too closely fused politics and our faith. I'm Christiana Manpour in Jerusalem, a place sacred to Christians, Muslims and Jews. Each has zealous followers driven to change the world. They are God's warriors, and this is how they are shaping the 21st century. Over the last 30 years, religion has exploded as a powerful political force, with armies of believers determined to fight for their faith. In the United States, the Christian right forged an agenda that would transform the political landscape. We set a 10-year program to have a born-again Christian in the White House. In Israel, a small band of religious settlers began a quest that would change the face of the Holy Land. There's no doubt in any rational analyst's mind that the settlements are the major obstacle to peace. And in Muslim countries, a spiritual awakening sparked the rise of political Islam and an extreme fringe who would become the world's nightmare. We're going to fight for it and die for it and kill others for it. That's the scary part. That's why we often take it seriously. The exact same three we just talked about, right? And do you notice the terminology? Did you notice that it's those dangerous Islamist extremists with 9-11 and all that stuff and the bloods on their hands and stuff? And then what, did they, what, what was the next scene? An evangelical pastor from the pulpit. Folks, it's happening right now. We are now being labeled as dangerous. We are now being labeled as the fake Christians, the ones who are dangerous. We're dangerous believers. We're fanatics just like those Islamists. And we're trying to take over the world. It's the same thing that's being thrusted upon you and I, okay? Unless you think, folks, that they're really not trying to make you out as bad as those dangerous Islamic terrorists that everybody's saying we got to get rid of, I'm going to show you just the teaser trailer of a whole documentary that was produced on you and I, taking everything completely out of context, right? It's called Jesus Camp. I encourage you to watch the whole thing. It makes your stomach turn of what they're doing uh, against you and I, the Christian, okay? And just to let you know, the documentary is, is the, here's the premise, you know, you've heard stories and seen pictures of how Islamic terrorist groups will kidnap or take kids from their wee high and they will brainwash them and train them into be soldiers for Allah and blow up and shoot people and kill them, right? They are now saying that you and I, the evangelical Christians, with our Sunday school classes, with our vacation Bible schools, our Jesus camps, we are, are training our kids to do the same thing for Jesus. Don't believe me? Here's the documentary that they produced on you and I. Total twisting. Let's take a look. This is a sick old world. Kids, you've got to change things. Boys and girls can change the world? Absolutely. I There are two kinds of people in the world. People who love Jesus and people who don't. Speak the word of the Lord!
where should we be putting our focus? I'll tell you where our enemies are putting it. They're putting it on the kids. How long have you been a Christian? At five, I got saved. Yeah? Because I just wanted more of life. You go into Palestine and they're taking their kids to camps like we take our kids to Bible camps and they're putting hand grenades in their hands. <laughs> There's an excitement, yet there's a peace with it all, too. It's really cool. I really feel that we're a key generation to Jesus coming back. And we are a generation that needs to rise up and run with that baton. Yeah! How many of you want to be those who would give up their lives for Jesus? We're being trained to be God's army. of a movement. Raise up righteous judges! There's a new church like this every two days in America. 25% of the American population, that's about 80 million people. If the evangelicals vote, they determine the election. They've taken over the White House, Congress, the judiciary for a generation. This is the tip of the iceberg. Are you a part of it or not? If that doesn't open your eyes and get you motivated as Christian, I'm sorry, you're dead. The propaganda that's being used against you and I, didn't you see that? Do you see how dangerous we are? We're training our kids to be soldiers. They were just in camo. This means war. Folks, they're using the media to make you and I out to be the next terrorist here in America. Why? Because that will be the excuse. We're not just troublemakers now. We're not just resistors. We're terrorists. 80 million of us here in America. And if they don't start locking us up, if they don't start dealing with us, just like those Islamic groups that people allow to continue on, boom, they're going to take you out. And the average non-Christian, folks, have you noticed when we try to witness to people, what in the world is their attitude towards us today? <laughs> because where do they get their impression about Christianity? It's from the media. Folks, it's all happening exactly like the text said. The justification to get rid of us, the real ones, and promote the fake Christianity to go along with the one world religion is already here. I don't know about you, but I'd say we better get motivated. We better stop beating each other up. We better start getting united for Jesus Christ and speak up while we can. Amen? Okay, but that's not all. The fourth way we know we're headed for global persecution is the implementation is already here. Believe it or not, the Bible actually tells us what is going to be the exact mode of execution for those who would follow God during the seven-year tribulation. Let's see if you can guess what that is. That's what we find in Revelation 20, verse 1 through 4, and says this, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the who? Devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Now, he threw him into the abyss, locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. Now, after that, he must be set free for a short time. That's the final rebellion. But he said, I also saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been what? Beheaded. Why? Here it is again. Because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of 
God. They had not worshipped the beast, obviously the context, seven-year tribulation. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. In other words, praise God, they were rewarded. They got to share and rule and reign with Jesus Christ, to share in the joys of the millennial kingdom, where Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is clearly going to be literally ruling and reigning from Jerusalem for a thousand years. He and he alone is the only one who can bring true peace and lasting judgment here on the planet. And that's a whole lot better contextually than what that text is they came out of, the seven-year tribulation, where the Antichrist was hunting them down, trying to kill them once again and exterminate for what? Holding on to the testimony about Jesus and refusing to give up on God's word. I'd say that's worth holding on to, isn't it? The millennial kingdom, what we have in store, we've talked about that before in our study, why should we study Bible prophecy? All the benefits of studying Bible prophecy. And one of them is, do you have any idea where we're headed to? All these signs when things are getting close, even the rise of persecution, as creepy as it is, it's a reminder that Jesus Christ is coming back. He's gonna put all this baloney down. We get to be on the planet. It's gonna be renovated to Garden of Eden-like conditions. We're even gonna have peace with animals. My son isn't just gonna dress up with Batman. He's gonna play with lions. <laughs> this is not make-believe. It's not a cartoon. It's real. And all these signs point towards that reality coming. It's a reward. We get to enjoy it. Woo! That's why we should study Bible prophecy amongst other things, okay? But, but that's what you see. These guys, uh, they had to go through that. It was horrible. You should have got saved before the rapture, okay? Uh, but praise God, as bad as the seven-year tribulation is, if you can survive, most are gonna have their heads chopped off. Now, so here's the point for you and I. It's interesting, just one little verse there. Isn't it interesting how the Bible says that in the last days, the mode of extermination of followers of God just happens to be, of all forms of capital punishment, beheading. So the point for you and I here today, prior to the seven-year tribulation is, do we see any signs of this form of capital punishment, not hanging, okay, not firing squad, but decapitation? Do we see that form of capital punishment ever making a comeback anytime soon? You know where I'm going. Folks, it ain't just coming back. It's coming back with a vengeance. And it's coming back with a vengeance all over the world. And it's not just coming back with a vengeance all over the world. Can you guess who it's being used on specifically? Christians. Okay, I refrain from showing you the actual photographs. If you get the video, I might put them on there, Lord willing. Okay, uh, it's very insightful and it's intended to be. This is real, but I'll just share with you the experiences. Okay, in North Korea right now, there's over 100 million people locked up in concentration camps. Many of them are, guess who? Christians, tens of thousands of them. And experiments are actually being done on them. Okay, I'll just share with you one experiment. A witness had been quoted by the BBC saying, we watched entire families being put into glass chambers and being gassed, just like with Hitler, folks being repeated then they are left to an agonizing death while scientists are taking notes and we're all upset because somebody sat in my pew folks this is not this is not a game this is real this is our fellow brothers and sisters in christ christians right now are being killed in Eritrea, turkey tunisia kenya afghanistan vietnam colombia iraq and pakistan this is kind of cool if you're there on wednesday we did some stats of where we're as a church being able to reach out Many of these countries, we get the privilege to share God's truth in. Isn't that amazing? Okay, but this is what's happening around the world. And India, and it's all either for following Jesus or refusing to renounce your faith in Jesus, and that's the tip of the iceberg. In India right now, the going rate to kill a pastor is only 250 bucks. Hindus are actually offering money, food, and alcohol to anyone who murders Christians and destroys their homes. Want a case of beer? You know what to do. It's happening right now, folks. But remember, the Bible says they wouldn't just be killed in the last days. What's going to happen? 
Specifically, they're going to be beheaded. And guess what? That's also on the rise. In Indonesia, four uh, Christian high school girls were attacked with machetes by Muslims and only one survived. The three girls were decapitated by their assailants. Only one, Noviana, survived the attack with a severe slash to her head and neck in an unsuccessful beheading attempt. The three high school girls were uh, beheaded as a Ramadan trophy. Good thing that we don't celebrate Ramadan anywhere in high places and Oh, he's going meddling now. Let's continue on. The girls' severed heads were dumped in plastic bags in their village along with a handwritten note threatening more such attacks. And here's what the note said. Wanted 100 more Christian heads, teenage or adult, male or female, blood shall be answered with blood, soul with soul, head for a head. Okay? Uh, then another incident, an editor, there's an actual photograph, escaped with his life, made it to a bridge where he said he'd seen 15 more corpses lying in the streets of the city. Some of them, quote, had been beheaded. Others had their body parts removed. I saw one boy holding a severed head with blood dripping from it. Now listen, yes, as egregious as that is, the Muslims are training kids to do that stuff. But do you see the danger of the propaganda that's being used on you and I? These guys will do the same. The Jesus camp, right? Pay attention, folks. Okay, then there was another beheading in the Christian village uh, leader. His severed head was found inside three plastic bags. The rest of his body was found elsewhere. They also did another note, and with his head that warned the authorities, quote, they were going to find a thousand more of them. Christians, okay. Uh, Thailand, there was at least 15 cases where people were beheaded in one year alone. Uh, in one of them, the Islamic uh, extremists slaughtered an entire family, beheaded a nine-year-old boy because he wouldn't submit to them. Uh, Tanzania, a Christian pastor, was recently beheaded by Muslims. His name was Pastor Mathiel Kachili. He was described as a devoted Christian. He was butchered by Muslim men, quote, with multiple axe blows for refusing to convert uh, to Islam. In Chechnya, beheadings were done to captured soldiers and videos were circulated uh, around the internet. I've refrained from sharing those, obviously. Uh, then four Western telecommunication workers, three Britons, one New Zealander, was beheaded and their heads were found on the side of the road. Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabian authorities recently uh, beheaded four men and the court ruled that the bodies of the four workers were to be crucified for public view as an example for others. That's another thing I don't have time to get into. Guess what also is coming back? Crucifixion, okay, is another thing on Christians. Iraq, beheadings have been on the rise since 2003, and the brunt have been upon foreign civilians and military personnel. One video obtained by the Associated Press shows, again, uh, a boy about 12 years old beheading a man. Nigeria, about 40 men and women and children were beheaded recently when their village was attacked and burned to the ground. In Malaysia, the heads of many Christians have been beheaded, dumped in plastic bags, or displayed as trophies with warning notes that there will be many more such attacks. Uh, Somalia, recently three government soldiers were beheaded. Four Christian aid workers who were helping with orphans were beheaded for refusing to renounce their faith in Christ. What did the text say? We will not give up our testimony for Jesus Christ. We will stand on God's word. It's already happening, folks, across the planet. The Muslims also beheaded two young boys, listen to this, because their Christian father refused to hand over information about a church leader. Listen to the heart of this father. I watched my boys dragged away helplessly as my youngest boy was crying. I knew they were going to be slaughtered. We don't have time. to play games. We don't have time to beat each other up. We need each other. Our brothers and sisters around the world need us to speak up while we got the freedom. 
And that's why one person, they warned this. They said, I fear that if the international community does not immediately and successfully pressure the government to protect its Christian minorities with more than just lip service, that serious violence and civil war will erupt. Listen, a war with only one possible outcome, increased persecution and the what? The mass killings of all people on the planet, Christians. And apparently that mass killing, the trend that's uh, happening is by beheading them. I'll say it again. I don't know about you, but I'd say it's, it's, it's time we start getting along as Christians. I, I, we, we better start getting united. We better start getting motivated for what really makes a difference. How about you? Okay? And again, folks, this is the whole point, man. Uh, in fact, let's do that. Let's do that experiment. Turn to somebody and say, I really, really need you, man. Because it's coming. Okay? And this is the whole point as we close. Once again, folks, what more does God got to do? How many different ways? How many different times? How many different ways does he have to get our attention and his church? For years I prayed, oh God, it seems like your church only gets motivated when the hammer comes down, when it's too late, when full-blown persecution arrives. God, would you please be merciful to us? Would you please cause us to work together to love you and love each other and love the lost while we still have the freedom to make a big difference? What more does God got to do to get our attention, okay? He's given us all these signs, folks, of a one-world religion, and now with this global persecution again to show us that the tribulation is near. Okay, this is not a game, it's real. And the second coming of Jesus Christ is, is fast approaching. That's why Jesus said, when these things take place, run to the hills, hide, flee, no. You, Christian, you better stand up and start beating each other up. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong translation. When these things take place, stand up, lift up, because your redemption draws near. This is exciting times. This is times when Jesus can use us to make a difference. And so I'll say it again, folks, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I, I, I heed, please listen to God. I beg you, please give your life to Jesus Christ now. There is no other name under heaven. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Ask him to save you now. Don't wait till the seven-year tribulation. Do it now. Because tomorrow may be too late. How many more opportunities does he have to give you? before the hammer comes down. And I'll say this in closing. Once again, church, how many signs does God have to give us before we wake up? Before we stop being apathetic? Before we stop being distracted? Before we stop hurting each other and start getting united and making a difference, amen? And the reason why is, folks, I don't think we realize what's coming down the pike. We, don't, we, we think we've been cushioned here in America, but it's coming to America. You need to be prepared. One day, you might have to give your own testimony for Jesus Christ right here in America. Your life might actually be on the line. A lot sooner than you think.
I'm going to close today with another challenging video. Viewer discretion advised. But I think we need to realize this, the reality, folks, that there might come a day, even here in America, that we Christians are going to have to make a choice, a life and death choice for Jesus Christ. I don't think it's any worse than what somebody would unfortunately turn on TV. There's no blood and guts, but it's emotional. I think it's tame compared to much TV. But, but the challenge is this as we close. I don't want you to just absorb this information. Wow, look at that, let's go. You need to understand what's coming. If ever there was a time for you to get serious about Jesus Christ and settle in your heart, who's your Lord, who's your master? It's now. Are you really willing as a born-again Christian here in America to die for Jesus Christ? And are you willing, even if somebody has a gun to your head, are you willing in that moment, would you even share Jesus Christ with that person? Or will you wimp out just to save your own skin and go along with a one world religion? We'll close in prayer after this. Let's take a look. have somewhere to be right now? Hey, I didn't want to stereotype you. No, you did. You just didn't say it. Look, the least I ask for is a little... Honey, don't. No, let me finish. The least I ask for is just a little respect, all right? After all, we were nice enough to pick you up. I mean, if it weren't for me, you'd still be stranded on the side of the road. Yeah, right. What? I don't believe that for a second. You don't know the first thing about me. I think I'm pretty close. What did you say you do? You didn't ask. Well, I'm asking now. Yeah, if you must know, I'm the pastor of one of the largest churches in the state. Really? The pastor, huh? Stop the car! Stop the car! Pull the car over right now! Get out! Your God is the reason I'm doing this. Because I don't believe in your God. And I have never found a Christian who truly believes in their faith. Turn around and get on your knees right now. Shut up! You stay there, be quiet, and do not move! You ready to find out what you're made of? Please. Now I'm going to ask you a very simple question with a very simple answer. Think carefully before responding. You claim to be a Christian. Let's see how important Christ is to you. He took nails on the cross for you. He died for you. You will even die for him. I'm gonna ask you this question, and you have 10 seconds to respond. 
Your answer will determine whether you live or die. Your entire life comes down to this moment. Are you ready to die for your faith? Say the words, I'm ready, and I'll pull the trigger. If not, then I'll let you leave, knowing that what you've devoted your entire life to apparently means nothing. <laughs> so, are you ready to die for your faith? Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one! I'm not, I'm not ready! I'm not ready! I'm not ready! <laughs> louder than words. my case. Go, just go. If you were willing to die for him, then you'd be willing to tell someone like me 
about him. But you're not the one. You're not the one. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die... And it's coming for each one of us. We're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one, says this, You shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly. The Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed 
for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.